Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles, your favorite daily Florida State sports talk show on your favorite platform. That's right. Wherever you are, we're there. If you're on YouTube, thank you for being there. Make sure you subscribe and like the video. If you're on the podcast, well, we appreciate you too. We hope you're getting a good workout in or you are driving somewhere that you want to be. And if you're driving somewhere you don't want to be, hey, it'll be done soon and you'll be back where you want to be. And where we want to be right now is not in the offseason. But unfortunately, today is the last day of spring practice for the most part. They have the spring game tomorrow. Then they've got, I think, a walkthrough on Monday or Tuesday, like a, a practice. But effectively, it's the last day. So we're going to talk about where our expectations are, where they should be, and where you guys should be looking as fans when you think, or sorry, what you should be looking at as fans when you think, hey, What's this team really going to be next year? I think Dave's a little more pessimistic than I am, but we will go through it. We're also going to touch on the NIL stuff with the launch of Rising Spear. That's been a big topic, and I'm just going to spoil it for y'all ahead of time. College football hasn't changed, but maybe we have, and maybe that is what we're upset about. Let's roll this video and let's dive in. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, let's get to it. We are talking about spring coming to a close and what your expectations should be for this year's Florida State Seminoles in 2022. Dave, I know you got some stuff to get off your chest, man. I, real quick, though, guys, subscribe, like, do all that. And Dave, let's dive in, man. Keep keep a little bit of positivity. Don't, you know, don't take a turn to negative town. But yeah, I, I, I feel like you're probably the most pessimistic one of us, and that's okay. Um, but yesterday we touched on you know, hey, do we have the underlying fear that this team may just suck this year? As I thought about it more, I I don't know if I have that fear out of like like for a good reason, or if it's just like I've been hurt so many times that I don't want to get excited. <laughs> so I'm finding reasons that like, no, 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 you know, it's almost better to say we're gonna win four games and then win seven versus saying we'll win eight and then winning seven. I I don't know, man. Last day of spring practice effectively. How you feeling? Well, Max, I made that comment yesterday, just like thinking about reading the tone of the room. Like we listen to and read what other you know people on the beat are saying and what the fans sure. are saying in the comments and in our comments and on other videos. And man, um, if I didn't know any better, it seems an awful lot like the consensus is that this is an eight-win team next year. And it could be. Uh, that, that's possible. But my concern is this. I just want to make sure we're having the same conversation here. Like if it's the case that you hate the summer season and spring, because all you like to do during those seasons is look forward to the fall. And you know, you can't do that if you know, or think we're going to suck. So you just really have to be optimistic to save your year. That's fine, man. Like do that, you know, whatever it takes to make yourself feel better. But if it's the case that you've taken in all the information you can, and you've looked at the last half decade of what we've been more than that now, and 
what you expect us to be next year is this vastly improved team that suddenly is going to compete for like top 25-ish quality uh, overall. I just worry that you're being fed candy canes and you shouldn't be. Yeah. No, I look, I understand where you're coming from. I think that I, I think we all say the same thing different ways to a degree. And I think that there is a lot in our fan base and people will take this however they want. Right. Some people probably already turned this off because they heard we're not, you know, you, it sounds like you're just shitting on the team. And I know that's not what you're trying to do, but no, I'm not. I, I, I think we do this thing where we set a goal, right? Like eight wins next year would be a great season because it would be. Yep. I mean, if we win eight, if we win eight games next year, I will be very satisfied headed into twenty twenty three. But you're right in that we, like, over the off season, that starts to become like, okay, this is our goal. Then it becomes our expectation, and then it yep. almost starts to become people's floor. And I think, and I look, I know it's Twitter, right? I know it's message boards. I know it's YouTube comments. But if you're one of the people that's starting to set seven or eight wins as your floor there's a good chance you get disappointed next year. One of the comments today that I responded to, and I usually don't get combative in there, but I will. This one rubbed me the wrong way because it was just like someone that's just blowing the FSU smoke that was like, well, you were wrong about Tate Rodemaker. What was I wrong about about Tate Rodemaker? Y'all haven't seen Tate Rodemaker play in a game since the University of Florida where he blew it and he looked awful. So great. Okay, there's 15 spring practices. We've only, we've done what? We'll do three more as we're recording this. So we've done 12 of them and you've heard he's had some good throws in spring practice. And that makes us wrong about Rodemaker. Give me a break. Yeah. But back to my main point, eight wins is not your floor. Eight wins is a very, very good good year. Now it's an attainable good year for this team. Yep. Because you say, okay, what have you seen that makes you think this team's going to improve? And I made the point in our kind of pre-production that, well, this team hasn't changed much. And last year, a few things break differently. Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt against Florida and they're able to finish against Notre Dame. But I'm just saying like right there, you're at seven, right? Then you beat Jacksonville State, which I know is a travesty. Right there, you're at eight. So very quickly, I can name how you get to eight wins last year. Heck, Clemson, you could probably get to nine. Last year was, so what, what is that between those three teams? A cumulative 15 points away from nine wins? Yeah, but, but that's maybe a little the, more. The point is, you just said we could get to nine wins. That that's true. We're not like not like crazy far off, but you can go through next year's schedule and find both nine wins and nine losses. And like you said, roster hasn't changed much. I made the point pre-production that I'm not so sure that's a great thing for this particular team. It maybe it won't make the team worse. I don't know that it'll make us a whole lot better, although usually it does. But we don't have to be better, is my point, because look. Now, I will say this, it's intellectually dishonest or intellectually lazy at best to say, okay, well, you can find nine wins and you can find nine losses, but then only pick one of those two. I agree that you're right. Like last last year, sorry, let me turn this lamp off. Last year could have been like nine wins. We just found it within 14, 15 points, whatever it was. Maybe it's 20 or something because of some late scores, but either way, right? But you also have to acknowledge that it wasn't a nine-win season. It was a five-win season. But you can't kind of cherry pick there and say, okay, well, because we could lose nine next year, it means we're not going to win nine. No, we could do both. And that's the tough part about analyzing this team. All, so, all I'm going to say is this, man. 
we haven't made a bowl game in a long time at this point, it, or it feels like an awfully long time. And we haven't made you a bowl sh- game that's mattered in like six years. Right. You should be so happy to get back on our game one of a bowl streak. And I want to point out, I, I've said before, we need to win eight games next year. So for me to say we, it would be a good year to make it back to a bowl game isn't inconsistent. To be on the trajectory, I think most fans want us to be on. We do need to win eight games next year. But still, making a bowl, just getting off that schneid of missing bowl game would be critical. Just like a six-win season wouldn't be catastrophic. And I fear there's a lot of people that if we went out and went six and six, that would just be like, all right, screw it. I'm done with this. And I don't know that I'm quite there, even though I sound pessimistic, which is weird. No, but you're right in that like both things can be true because it's a sliding scale. I can say that six wins is better than four, but I can also be upset we didn't win eight. Just like – right. Just like I'm going to be upset next year that we're not competing for a national championship relative to what my expectations were in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, though even like 2015 and into 16, right? Like those are the expectations. Then I can both consciously recognize that that is an unrealistic expectation to have next year and also be frustrated that it was an expectation seven or eight years ago. So yeah. I'd like it to be an expectation this year. Does that make, am I making sense there? Yeah. Like I totally. can see it's okay to have both. Like you, anyway, I, I don't want to belabor the point. I think that the thesis statement here is for you, you are more pessimistic of the outlook. And for good reason to me, I see a team that not a ton has changed. No, let me put it this way. There's no one that left. I'm going to miss Jermaine Johnson a lot, but there is no one that left that any handicapper in Vegas would have drastically changed a point spread had they been injured for a game last year because they just aren't in positions that drastically change point spreads, right? Jay Sean Corbin, Jermaine Johnson, you don't just statistically through correlative statistics, those positions don't really move the needle on games. Yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm going to miss them, what I'm, but they I, don't. So hang on, let me just finish the thought. So my point there is just that if I see the same team and I see an easier schedule, which I believe this year our schedule is easier, I think we should win more games. So, you know, but we're going to have to wait and see. Go ahead. All, all, I'm, all I'm saying is I'm pessimistic relative to a lot of what I'm seeing, like just people saying that that's all relative to what I'm gauging the fan base, a lot of them to be thinking right now, which is. Like you said, that a lot of people seem to be setting this like eight win team as like the floor. And I think that's unfair to themselves and to the team to just expect that. Like until I'm proven that this is an eight win team, I'm just not going to set that expectation. I think it's unfair and you're going to find yourself disappointed in December. Yeah. And and I think that that's that that's probably the genesis of this conversation. But but fair to make is a separate point. It's okay to say that eight wins is a good season and a realistic goal. Both of those things are true. If you think that eight wins is just going to happen, you're wrong. I would highly doubt you go into this Florida game, the Florida game with eight wins. I would bet good money you go into that with six or seven. Now, if we want to get to eight, let's just use eight as our barometer. You're going to have to win that Florida game, but you're also going to have to slug your way through the schedule. Like you're not just going to go out there and, you know, win seven games and then lose four. No, your this schedule is going to be because this is how it always goes. Right now, I guarantee you, there's some of you saying, well, where where's the loss? Where are the losses on the schedule? Who Max and Dave don't know what they're talking about. I mean, yeah, LSU, but guys, this is going to be an up and down season, just like yeah. every season. We're just hoping there's more ups 
then there are downs. And I'm confident there will be. But yeah, if you go into this offseason thinking eight wins is your floor, uh, you're going to, you're going to, if not be let down, because we may win eight games, you're going to have a very stressful, stressful fall. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, look, very similar team to last year, could have won eight or nine games last year. But by the same token, they won five. That means this team also could win five if things don't break the right way, but also yeah. could win nine. So it's a wait and see team for me. But Dave, you know, it's not a wait and see thing for me. What's that, Max? What I'm going to eat after my workout tonight. I'm going to leave this. I'm going to go into my gym, home gym life. I'm going to hit a huge workout. Very excited. Uh, getting on the road for the spring game tomorrow. So, you know, I got to get the last, uh, the last home workout in before I do that. And I'm going to grab a built bar. Because like I said, nothing wait and see about it. Protein shake in one hand, built bar in the other hand. That's all you guys need after a workout. So go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off. I think it's ridiculous that Built Bar gives you a 15% discount because I'd buy them for full price, but that discount code keeps working and they keep sending them. So go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Folks, thanks for hanging with us through segment one. If you are on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe. Be part of the push to 1,000. We love you. We appreciate you. And uh, if you're at the spring game this weekend or you're going to be there, Shout at me in a comment below. I'm sure I'll be around, you know, college town. I'll be up in the champions club for the game. No press box this year. We did that last year, but I, I want to have a little fun this year. It's been a stressful, I had a stressful couple months at work. I enjoyed it, but it was just, we had a big project. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready to do the fun side of Florida state football, not the journalist side of Florida state football. Um, yeah. So Dave, look, I think what we did was we we sort of acted as a foil to what's what we feel like is becoming inflated expectations. But I don't think yeah. it's wrong to also point out things where we've improved. So mm-hmm. what are you expecting to see improved in the spring game? Um, well, what I'm expecting to see improved and that I almost wouldn't believe couldn't be improved is the wide receiver room, just the play at the wide receiver position. We have... Totally revamped and rehauled that room. And if that doesn't tell you what the coaching staff thought about the receiver room, which was the same thing we all thought, and it was a good feeling to see that the coaches have eyes the same way we do and that it validated what we all knew and thought, which was our receivers are really holding this team back. They're making Jordan Travis's life more difficult, which was already being made difficult by an offensive line trying to improve from bottom of the barrel. Um, The receiver position is going to make or break this offense this year. If it's not competent, I don't think you're going to see this offense improve, especially with Jay Sean Corbin gone. If the receiver room is competent, you're getting crisp routes and guys aren't dropping uncontested balls and they're not streaking down the field and, you know, stop running all of a sudden, then I think you're going to see a well-functioning offense that maximizes uh, Jordan Travis's abilities on the ground because the air is a threat. And that starts and ends with the receiver position. Yeah. And can I say one thing about Jordan Travis too, is he is what I'm looking at the least during the spring game. I want to see his throwing ability, but a spring game format just doesn't lend itself to Jordan Travis. Like, I, look, I'm already ready for the hype that like, oh, look, Tate Rodemaker looked better than Jordan Travis or this or that. But the reality is like, Jordan's not going to be able to run during the spring game. And his legs are what make him dynamic. The defense knows he's not going to be able to run. So they're not going to bite on anything. They're going to play good, sound defense. And I'm not saying that 
he can do no wrong in my eyes. Because if, if his throws look bad, I'm going to talk about it. Don't get me wrong. But if his throws look solid, but it's like, okay, didn't get to see what his legs did. It's like, it's, it's what I said about him and McKenzie Milton last year. And people laughed at me. I was like, look, you only saw half of Jordan Travis. Like, it was really cool that they let McKenzie do a run during the spring game and whatever. And people said, oh, his knee must be fine. But when I'm there, I am personally going to be interested in the offensive line. I, I'm not going to make a ton about how they're blocking, but I want to see when the starting five are out there. Like, are they giving Jordan some kind of time? Like, if we start seeing these one and two second stacks, it's just like, yeah. Uh, but conversely, if he's having three to four second pockets every time, or, you know, it looks like they've actually made some strides, I'm going to start feeling a lot more optimistic because if we can block it up, we can run a lot of plays. Like, we have the skilled people in the backfield, we've got Jordan Travis. We've got Lawrence Toa Philly. We've got uh, Treshawn Ward. Like we've got guy. We have uh, Benson. We've got guys that if we can block up front, we may get rid of our biggest problem from last year. And what was our biggest problem last year, Dave? Our biggest problem was run blocking, actually. Well, that, I mean, but I'm saying like it was those one and two yard first and second downs. Yeah. It was like going to third and long. It was so predictable, our offense, because of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and Max, it's, it's funny you point out the offensive line and because of what I just said, a lot of people probably don't realize just how bad the run blocking was last year, which makes it all the more incredible what the run game was able to do. So I'm actually super interested to watch and see how they're blocking for the running backs because I don't know that without Jayshon Corbin, you're going to be able to get the same kind of running back play with equally bad offensive line run blocking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look, uh, I don't know though. I think, the offensive line blocking was better last year than like a pro football focus would suggest because they were able to get that's where I'm getting that from. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they, I think they were able to do more now. I don't know though. There was so much misdirection, but then I, I don't know. My eyes told me last year that the offensive line was improved. It just looked better. They got more done. It wasn't great. And, and I don't know. It, all I'm saying is you can't start third downs on an average of like third and seven. You have to get some third and threes, some third and fours. And to me, that starts the offensive line. If they can get you like three and four yard pushes on first down and then, you know, second down, now you can run some more trickery. Like this offense is predicated on misdirection trickery. Well, it gets really hard to do misdirection when it's obvious you have to throw the ball. It's really hard to do some kind of play action on third and seven. The only reason it worked last year is because you had two guys back there between Corbin and uh, Jordan Travis that were good enough with their legs that it actually was a threat. They might get seven yards, but good defenses aren't going to fall for that, right? Good defenses yeah. are going to do what Clemson did to you, right? They go into That's bracket right. coverage where if, if y'all don't know, by the way, we talked about this last year. I think I did a segment on it, but bracket coverage is essentially where you run a man-based zone. So you're almost running a, a zone tied to a receiver. So like if Dave's the safety and I'm the cornerback, right? And Drake's the receiver. As Drake's running, I'm in coverage as the cornerback, but I know if he gets behind me, that becomes like Dave's zone for Drake. So I can keep my eyes completely locked in on the quarterback, run with Drake, just make sure he doesn't get away. But I don't even have to look at what he's doing behind me because the minute he starts to get separation, that becomes Dave's thing to go latch onto him. If Drake does an out route and Drake or Dave has over and outside, yeah, has the over and outside bracket, and I've got the under and inside bracket, again, my eyes never have to come off Jordan Travis because he hits an out route. Boom, that's Dave's. I'm staying. Yeah. So 
a good defense runs that kind of coverage. Now Jordan's legs are less of a threat because you're not going to catch me on an out route. And now Jordan has a seam because I'm just going to cheat inside and wait for Jordan to come to me. Sorry, that wasn't yep. supposed to be a film breakdown. My point was just like, we need to be able to block it up. That way we can get out of these third and longs because third and long trying to convert those is not a sustainable strategy to win a bunch of football games. Well, speaking of winning a bunch of football games, and I know this is going to make this segment extra long, but there's one name that a lot of people are watching <clears throat> this spring game for thinking oh. that he's going to win us a lot of games, right? And w- whether it be this year or next or the year after. A lot AJ of people Duffy. are probably going to be thinking AJ Duffy. I am excited seeing, to see what he looks he like. Is he Jameis yeah. Winston? I am too. But I, I, I think a lot of people are wondering, could this be Jameis? Let's find out. No one's thinking this is. Yeah, folks. It, I, no, first of all, I've really been impressed by what I've seen from AJ Duffy. Yeah, um, for sure. But you also have a kid who played, or I guess what, had his season canceled in California, maybe? Did he play some of the season in 2020? I, whatever. He was like sophomore in high school, yeah. junior in high school. Then he went to IMG. And, Which is like a college team. Right. So he was definitely preparing, right? Definitely getting better, but he didn't play a full season there. So he definitely needs to get some actual football under yeah. his belt, like probably a year of college, maybe two even. I mean, look, he's got to play more football, plain and simple. Yeah. Like he's He's got the talent. He's. I mean, you look at him, he's huge. He's like 6'2", 6'3", 200 pounds, 210 pounds. He he's looks thick and stocky. He's got a good arm. Looks like Sam Howellish. A little bit. Yeah. I just, I just don't think he's football, like college game ready yet, but I'm excited to see how he looks. You know, same thing I said with Kenya Charlton on the offensive line, right? Who's six foot five, 348 pounds. I'm not expecting him to start next year, really even contribute, but in a spring game, I'm still excited to see what he does. Right. Like my eyes are going to, you know, when Duffy comes out, like I'm going to be like, oh, okay. Like let's, you know, let's see how this looks. I'm not good. Not going to say it'll be your starter next year, but I'm excited. And Dave, you know what else I'm excited for? What's that? Telling the folks where they can put their MLB action down. And that is at betonline.net. Folks, I'm not a gambler of MLB, but if you are, that season's hot right now. It's starting. It's opening day. What did Drake say? It smells like seam spirit. Seam spirit. I'd never heard that before, but. Well, I don't like it. I Yeah, I don't know. Nirvana puns. I. Come on, man. I hear. Anyway, anyway, if you're if you're watching baseball though and you're trying to get action down, go to betonline.net or betonline.ag and it is the place for you. Make an account, use promo code locked on and you will get a welcome bonus on the first $100 you put in. That's right. You put in 100, they'll put in 100. Now you got 200 to play with. There's also NHL, there's also NBA. They've got everything, folks. So check it out. betonline.net where the game starts. All right, man. So that was a bit of uh so we've talked expectations. We've talked what we're going to want to watch. And uh, I want to talk NIL now because yeah. I don't know. It's been a hot topic with Rising Spear coming out. Um, and I think that the, the general thought seems to be the same, right? College football is going to be ruined. And all the money is going to go to these rich programs and Florida state won't be able to compete and this and that and the other. And I'm just going to go ahead and not bury the lead. I don't think college football is changing at all. I think our place in it is. And I think that pisses us off. But if you look back since the playoffs start, there have been 13 teams to fill 32 playoff slots. That's right. Since the playoffs started, there have been 32 Available slots 
Only 13 teams have made it to the playoff. By the way, of the last 16 available playoff slots, that's the last four years, the last 16 available playoff slots, there have been three first-time participants in the playoff. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. One of those was LSU, who caught lightning in a bottle with Joe Burrow and is showing absolutely no signs. That's right. I said it. I don't care what y'all think about Brian Kelly. They have shown no signs of getting back there anytime soon. They immediately fell off a cliff. Cincinnati. One of those is Cincinnati, who I mean, adorable. built a little, you know, little, little program going on. Real running. Story. I know you don't like, but still, but they're probably not like, again, you probably won't see another group of five. So I'm also going to yeah. put that as a flash in the pan because until expansion happens, I don't think you see it again. And, and Michigan, then Michigan, the yeah, and yeah. Michigan legitimately earned their way in, right? They, you'll see some of those, but Michigan has been on the outside looking in and been very close to getting in, right? LSU is a traditional power, okay. However, beyond Cincinnati, I guess maybe Washington, and, and I don't know who else. Oregon, uh, I mean, Washington, yeah, Oregon, even pre-playoff. We're up there, right? They were perennial top teams. So the point I'm making is that college football has always, always been a sport of power consolidation. It has always been a sport where the rich teams have the best results, where the teams that have access to things that other schools don't have access to have the best results. Florida State didn't just magically get good because people felt like we should be good. We cornered the market along with Miami on Florida recruiting back before modern telecommunication technology and modern travel made it easy for people to communicate with, to travel to go see, and then national TV contracts made it possible for parents to see their kids play every single weekend, even if they left the state. I mean, it's like we're, I'm sorry, I know I'll let you chime in in a second, but it's like we're in this bubble and y'all forget that less than 30 years ago, you couldn't watch FSU games every Saturday if you did not live close to Florida State or close to their opponent. This is a new phenomenon, being able to just go online and watch your kid play at Florida State. So we had that market quartered. Well, that that first mover advantage on, on uh, recruiting in Florida, it doesn't exist anymore. So now the advantages are money. So yes, money is talking right now. And we may not have it to the scale that Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, heck, maybe even Clemson, Texas A&M have it. But that doesn't mean that the landscape or, well, maybe the landscape, but the sport of college football is not changing. It is still setting up to be a, a sport where four to six teams absolutely dominate everyone else. And it is just a race to try to win your conference, get to a good bowl game, win that bowl game. Be happy that you won 10, 11, whatever games and look forward to cheering on your team the next season. That's what it's always been. We used to just be a part of that upper echelon. And now people are afraid for good reason. And I echo the fear and I hope it doesn't happen. But people are afraid that we won't be part of the top tier anymore. And because of that, they're saying, oh, the sport's just changing. This is, it's just so different than this and that. No, it's not different. Yeah, the, we just don't like where the chips fell. And yeah, it that's, that's not that's not unfair. But I will say this: <clears throat> if you think that the current landscape with the NIL isn't exactly the same as it was before, in terms of the fact that like 
Alabama was making sure these kids got their money. And, you know, those things were already happening. Alabama fans set like a portion of their salary aside every year, no matter how much money, how much or how little money they're making to Alabama football, because that's like tithing for them. It's like religion. Um, and so when people, when Florida State fans see, oh, now there's rising spear, I already have to give to the boosters. Now I have to do this. Yes. If you want to be good and you're complaining that, oh, we're losing our place in the college football landscape. Yes. That is part of what you have to do if you want to stay competitive with them. Now, I don't think it, it's the money is going to find its way there for Florida State. Like, we're not going to fall behind in the sense because of NIL that all of a sudden we're just so financially unable to compete that we should never expect to be able to win another national championship. I don't think that's the case. Like we should still be able to make sure the money gets to the top recruits. Like the Travis Hunter thing was unfortunate, but that was a weird circumstance. We probably should have gotten him, but as long as we get back to recruiting at a high level, which NIL will play a large part in, we got to make sure those kids get, what's theirs because they can get it somewhere else. Um, and everybody has to do their part. And rising spear is extremely important. Yes. It sucks. You have to do boosters. And now that, but don't well, you have to do something. Hand. I mean, most people don't even do boosters to be honest. Our, right. our annual fund has like 10,000 people in it, but I'm getting off topic here. My point is just that. Well, actually you've, you've expanded to another point of like, put up or shut up folks. Yeah. Sorry. It's pay to play. And we all have to pay if, but you don't have to want to be good. Right. It's like yeah. everyone wants to get promoted and make more money, but not everyone wants to do the job of their boss. Yeah, we don't like Florida State to be great again. Well, let me ask you this. If you're listening to this, you have to answer it yourself. Do you give to the boosters? Do you, have you tried to find where you can write NIL checks? If you have, great. Let's work together on it. If you haven't, that's fine. That's fine. Keep listening to the podcasts. Keep going on message boards. Keep watching Florida State. But just understand that we're not going to compete with schools where they have 20 or 30,000 people give a recurring annual amount of money to their booster fund when we have 10,000 or less. That's just yeah. not realistic. And that's not how competing at scale works. It just isn't. I know, again, this got a little meandering. It's just, it's been a hot topic. And I wanted to cover off that. Our place in the landscape will change if we don't do something about it. One, we got to step up. Two, we have to figure out this conference situation because yeah. the SEC is getting so much more money than us each year that they're going to be able to afford to have a booster fund and a, a whatever NIL fund and use their TV money to pay coaches $8 million a year. We'll yep. only get to pick one. So you're right. Even if we get to booster our boosters in our NIL fund, whatever you want to call it, Rising Spear, Warpath, whatever. To the level of those schools, what, what what good is that, right? When we're losing $35 million a year in the foot race of TV money. So okay. we have to figure that out. But we've got to start fixing what we can instead of focusing on what we can't. And people have to start giving to the boosters, or we just have to accept that we're not going to be that good. So And we might get lucky. Years, but, right. And we may right pop. I don't even want to get into the combo of would we have gotten Jamison in IL era. I don't want to get into it. I like to think yeah. we did. I'm just going to tell myself we would have, and that's it. Right. Folks, I will be at the spring game. If you're going to be there, feel free to let me know or don't. It's up to you. But either way, follow me on Twitter at MaxMoody17. You can follow him on Twitter at G0NOLE5. That's Go Knowles with a zero in the go and a five on the Knowles. I'm Max. That was Dave. And this was Locked on Stones. Go Knowles. 
I looked it up. I didn't even know that. I hope that's what it is.